It's the BBP TV show since 2012, where amazing guests share their digital adventures. Who will we meet today? Small biz influencer? Up-and-coming trendsetter? Accomplished author? You never know who'll be dropping by. And now, here's your host, Elaine Lindsay, the bionic glamourpreneur with Truel Social Media, who's the second most curious person on the planet. Hi there. I'm really excited to be back again today with one of, quite honestly, my favorite guests. Stan Phelps is with us, and with him is a co-author, Brian Doyle, and they have a new book in the Goldfish series called Grey Goldfish. I'm going to take a good few moments here because there's an awful lot to go through. They are both definitely men of renown. So let's first dive in, I think, to Stan. Stan's a popular keynote speaker and workshop facilitator. He believes that brands must focus on meaningful differentiation to win the hearts of both employees and customers. He's driven by client objectives and inspired by bold vision. Stan works with clients to create programs, keynotes, and workshops that are memorable and on-brand, inspiring businesses to become talkable by design. The result, programs that win big. I find Stan to be one of the most um, considerate when it comes to understanding that everybody needs to be seen and heard, and he applies that in all of the books. His co-author, Brian Doyle, is a recognized expert in helping organizations lead the five different generations in today's workforce, speaking and consulting with audiences worldwide. He's also uh, our co-author today, oh, excuse me, today, and the book is titled Great Goldfish, Navigating the Gray Areas to Successfully Lead Every Generation. His leadership experience began as a U.S. Air Force pilot, where he commanded uh, 31 combat missions in Kosovo, as well as transported the presidential motorcade around the world. Transitioning to civil, excuse me, civilian leadership, I'm having a problem with this tongue today, Ryan led the Six Sigma program for a division of GE Capital and sales and marketing at Genworth Financial. He's since improved the leadership and customer experiences for his clients, resulting in over $2 billion in new revenue. That's a, a huge sum. He has a bachelor's degree in, in astrophysics from the United States Air Force Academy and a master's degree in systems engineering from St. Mary's University. Together, Brian and Stan are going to share their generational insights and tips along with an amazing matrix to help you navigate that generational highway. So I'm just going to give you a little lead in and tell you what's being said about gray goldfish. By laying out why the generations are different and then how to use that knowledge, Brian Doyle and Stan Phelps have provided a leadership roadmap that every leader can employ immediate, immediately. And, and I'm going to say, I'm not sure if it's Mark or Hoot Gibson uh, said that. I believe it's the foreword of the book. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's pretty incredible, and I can say I was lucky enough uh, to get to uh, look over the book early on, 
and we will be talking about that generational matrix for sure. So I'm going to shut up for a second and say, hi, guys. <laughs> Lovely to have you here. Hi, Elaine. Hi. Good, good to be back. Thanks, Elaine. Thanks for having us. Well, it's great to meet you, Brian and Stan. We have been literally through the colors of the rainbow uh, with the Goldfish series. A really incredible series, and I think maybe what we'll do, Stan, if you want to maybe talk about the origin of the goldfish metaphor, and then you and Brian can both talk to how it fits in terms of leadership, and we'll then dive into Grey Goldfish. Yeah, sure. So 10 years ago, literally almost to the day, I had what I call a moment of truth. I had been working in marketing and doing kind of large scale events and experiences pretty much designed to interrupt the prospect. And, uh, and it was successful, but it wasn't scalable. It wasn't sustainable. I thought there needed to be a better way. And I had this kind of moment of truth 10 years ago, and it led me down the path of starting a, a first project called the Purple Goldfish Project. And that was the idea of looking at brands that did little extras to go above and beyond just the transaction to do a little bit more to kind of honor the relationship. And so it took almost two and a half years, but I was able to put that first book together called The Purple Goldfish. Every book though, Elaine, has been kind of a realization and, and a journey. And what I realized from like concentrating on the customer was that the companies that really got it pretty much got it even more so for their own employees as opposed to just focusing on the customer. So the second book was the green goldfish. Uh, the colors, the first three colors are tied into Mardi Gras. And um, the third one was the golden goldfish, which is what do you do for your top 20% of customers and employees? Uh, typically, for most businesses, 80% of profitability comes from just your vital few, your top 20%. And then there's been a succession of books after that. Technology, purpose, differentiation, happiness, and Gray, which you mentioned, and I'll have, I'll have maybe Brian give an overview of Gray, was really the first time we went into leadership, yeah. understanding how important that is to ultimately driving that great employee experience, which creates the great customer experience. But gray was the eighth color in the Goldfish series. Um, and so I'll tee it up to, to Brian to maybe give an overview of what we found and what we saw in gray. Sure. Thanks, Stan. Um, uh, Elaine, we're in a very unique time in history where there are full five generations in the workforce today first time in history. And leaders today have to know how to lead, interact, communicate with all five of those generations. And, and they, they come from very different places. Uh, they've had very different upbringings. And they just basically approach life and work differently uh, than the generations on either side of them. So uh, what Great Goldfish is about is, is at first it's understanding why these different generations are the way they are. Um, it might be uh, how they were raised by their parents. It might be the economic conditions that they grew up in. Um, it might have you know, certainly the influence of technology 
has changed things. And so uh, as leaders look at these different generations, at first we look at why they're different. Then we look at how that manifests itself in the workplace. Um, how do they approach projects? How do they approach leading others? How do they approach life as followers? Uh, and so we kind of set the stage in the book that the first portion is, is about that, um, how they're different. And then we go into a, a bunch of examples you know, tens and tens of examples of successful leadership of those different generations. Various businesses take on uh, different characteristics. They apply different techniques and they get some very significant results when they know the different generations that they're leading. Um, and then we finish up with, OK, so armed with all this information. What do you do? What do we do about it? You know, it's not enough to just kind of know it's uh, it's where do we go from here? And uh, and that's where, uh, you, you know, you spoke to this, uh, Elaine, the uh, the generational mat matrix, the, the generational leadership matrix um, has pointers for every generation as they think about leading all the other different generations in the context of their own. Uh, and so we've got a lot of positive feedback on that. Just, uh, you know, snippets on like, what do I do now? Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, and it helps leaders be more successful. Okay, that's that's a, a super sort of overview of what you're going to talk about. Let's let's drill it down for people a little. In, um, for instance, I think basically where you are, it's it's kind of the what, the why, the how, and now what is what you've given everybody. But um, you know, people talk so much about millennials. And oh, the millennials are so different. I know a lot of baby boomers, which is me. And even, you know, the next gen seem to have this, I guess, different idea of who and what millennials are. And when you're talking about leading millennials, like, is there really a one size fits all approach? It's, uh, it's an interesting question, Elaine, because they uh, so often you know, we kind of bash millennials. Ah, oh, they have these super high expectations and, um, you know, they, they don't want to work hard. And that's not the case. Mm -hmm. um, it's about getting the most out of millennials. And, and what we found in our research is that there really isn't a one size fits all, that it's important to think about your own generation and then lead from the context of that generation. And I'll give you an example. Uh, generation X, which is my generation, um, those are folks that because of how they were raised, you know, and there, there's some detail behind that, but mm -hmm. they are comfortable working solo. They're comfortable working on their own, uh, completing projects on their own. And millennials, the generation right after them, were raised as wonderful teammates. So in school, they were taught to work on projects together. Um, oftentimes their parents help them with things. And so they're used to working as a group. And so when I'm leading or other members of Generation X or, or leading millennials, we have to think about that dichotomy. I prefer to work alone. They prefer to work as a team. How do I help them, you know, meet in the middle? Um, and so, so it's, that might work Gen X to millennial, but when it comes to baby boomers or matures that are old generations, different techniques come into play. It's not one size fits all. Yeah, and and something else that that I think you have to look about 
look at, particularly with millennials, I find that generation is so socially conscious and aware that you, Gen X and, and baby boomers, as much as a lot of us are philanthropic and a lot of us understand the bigger picture and that, that one has to help out, uh, don't have that, that drive that an awful lot of millennials have. And it is um, eye-opening for baby boomers, but it must give um, an opportunity for those that want to lead well, uh, a really different path with these millennials who have such global concern. That, that's right. And I'll, I'll I'll say a couple of things here, Stan, and, and uh, you can jump in. You know, nine out of 10 millennials say that meaning is the most important part of their work. Um, that's a huge number. And so it's not enough to say, millennial, here's what we need to do at work. Here's your project. Go do it. Well, well why is this important? Well, because I because I told you it was <laughs> right. That's not enough. It's, it's let's understand what this is doing for um, for for me as a millennial, my growth. What's it doing for my company? And, and to your point, what's it doing for society? Right. Let's uh, let's think about this as a little bit bigger picture. Yeah, I, I think in, in terms of engagement, it's so important to tap into that overall meaning and purpose. And what's what's interesting is not only are they making decisions about choosing companies to be part of or deciding to either stay or jump based on the purpose of that company. What's also important is that they're actually making purchasing decisions as customers based on purpose. Um, you know, we I've the red goldfish within the series and we've talked about it, Elaine is really this contention that you know purpose is on its way to become one of the ultimate differentiators in business and that millennials and gen z don't look at companies based on their corporate filing status right um it used to be from my generation you're either a for-profit or a non-profit and now there's just a lot of gray that's in between there and the contention is that these groups look at business and say, you know, this, this organization is for purpose and these organizations are not for purpose. And they're gonna wanna do business and work for those that tap into that sense of meaning and purpose. Absolutely, and, and it is a really big difference, I find, because, well, so many in my generation are, are constantly saying how they, they just don't understand. But I think the more that baby boomers spend time or even take a few minutes and look at some of the social posts of these millennials, these kids have such a, a bigger view of things and are so much more aware than we were at that age. I realize part of it has to do with the fact that they have never not known technology. There, there's always been technology and, you know, them and, and Gen Z that comes after them, they don't think twice. They, they just know that, you know, you use the tech that's around you because it's there. 
that alone could be a real challenge for baby boomers that are trying to lead them because it can be so intimidating as a baby boomer to have these kids know so much more than they do. Mm -hmm. Well, what I what I think is interesting, and, and Brian touched on this idea of what we call the generational matrix. Yes. So it's this one page where you literally look at which generation you fall into as a leader, and, and then it breaks down in this matrix how you recruit, how you train, how you inspire and how you manage across each generation. But what I think is is missing is it also works in the other direction. So part of being um, a great team member is understanding that you you know followership is important and understanding meeting your leader at, at from their perspective is just as important as them treating you as an individual. So it goes kind of both ways. No, I think that's a really important point and, and sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. It isn't just about leadership on down. It's about up and down and across the board. And I, I think based on what we see, the millennials tend to gravitate to that a little more than we ever did. We, you know, for for baby boomers, a lot of the time you did your job and you went home. Uh, you know, that, that was, you You put in your time and- you kept, and, kept and, your head down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you did what you were told. And yeah, you, and you, even, yeah, even senior management and, and you know, the leadership, it, it, there wasn't a big thing about the culture within the corporation. There was very little to do with what else was going on that was not profit driven. Let's be honest. You know, that, that was an awful lot of what corporations were about. And with all these changes, I think it only makes sense to make that generational matrix I, I think it's something that every corporation ought to have. And it's even a, a good, useful tool for grandparents hmm. because there are huge differences. <laughs> and oftentimes, you know, differences like that can, through fear and, and misunderstanding, can lead to you know great rifts within families you know not even talking corporate but the leadership within a family can can be broken apart and challenged when people can't communicate and and making it as simple as communication between the generations you know even outside of the business network i think is really really critical yeah absolutely yeah that, that's exactly right, and it's uh, you know it's interesting when you when you think about uh, the work from the mature that's the oldest generation um, in the workforce or the baby boomers, they're they're both sons and daughters of the Great Depression, yeah. and so you know they're whether it be them or their parents were greatly influenced by um, you know twenty five percent unemployment, ten percent homelessness rates just huge. And so those generations felt if they had a job, they were lucky to have a job and they were going to put their head down, as you said, and, and work hard, you know, for, uh, for, for 30 or 40 years and, and retire with a pension. 
And what subsequent generations saw was um, that trust was kind of broken in between the two generations from the corporate <laughs> side of things. Um, now people are getting laid off. Companies are laying people off. The, the pensions disappeared. It's, you can't work for the same company for 30 or 40 years. And so that trust is kind of broken in one direction. And what it forced uh, these younger generations to do is say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to be totally committed uh, to one organization. I'm going to continue to explore. I'm going to continue about think about other things. And, 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 and like you said, Elaine, it, it's, it's corporate, but it's in your family too. It's, uh, I'm not going to just follow exactly what I've been told because I've been told it. I'm going to think for myself. I have access to way more information than previous generations. I can form my own opinion and that can cause a rift, you know, whether it be in the boardroom or at the Thanksgiving dinner table, yeah. um, there can be conflict between, hey, you do this because you're supposed to. And, oh, wait a minute, I got my own perspective and I'm going to do something else. Yeah, it's no longer don't do as I do, do as I tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and no offense, Daddy. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's... Um, there's just there's so there's so many pieces to this. How about maybe um, can you give us a couple of examples, say, from some of the companies that have maybe instituted some programs or, or the policies that they put in place to engage the employees and and make this work throughout the generations? Yeah, so I'll I'll uh, I'll start out. We we kind of looked in the middle of the book. We. Brian and I looked at over 200, we crowdsourced over 200 examples of companies, how, and this is a thread through that runs throughout the entire series, how they do little things to reinforce um, and to create a better experience. And so it starts right at the beginning, how you recruit, um, how you recruit somebody into an organization really sets the tone. And then how critically, you know, those first few months of onboarding them into an organization. And I'll have, I'll have Brian uh, maybe elaborate on this, but one of the interesting stories was, and I'm forgetting the company, but they understood how important the parents' role was for these new generations, the Gen Z and the millennials, of how they were involved when they recruited these important new hires. And there's a great story about what is it they sent like a, a Christmas or a Thanksgiving turkey, Brian, uh -huh. to the to the home of this you know important new recruit, and it was just an understanding that you had to get mom and dad also bought in, <laughs> in addition to you know the, the the man or woman that the young man or woman that was coming into the organization. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really flipped. So. Whereas companies used to have open houses for college students who are about to graduate, hey, it's, yeah. you know, it's time to graduate, come work for us. There's a handful of companies, uh, Enterprise Rental Car, Merrill Lynch, to name a few, uh, that now have open houses for the parents. <laughs> so seniors in college, their parents are invited to say, think about Merrill Lynch, hey, I'm, I'm on Wall Street, the parents come in and say, well, I don't want my son or daughter working 18 hours a day. I hear it's very stressful. And so uh, Merrill Lynch is, is helping the parents understand that essentially 
they will take over the reins of taking care of their children. So the, the, the parents have been raising them and, and, and yeah. you know, taking care of them for as long as they could. It's time to leave the nest. And these companies are saying, don't worry, mom and dad, we'll take care of them from here. It's totally different than it used to be. Oh, yeah, incredibly different. Uh, I chuckle, but I think it's actually um, a, a better attitude. And in some ways, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking back to when we were not just nuclear families, there was more inclusion. That old, you know, takes a village. When we had our extended family, you know, it was not in the workplace, but this is almost taking the place of what's missing because a lot of us don't have those extended families anymore. You don't have those others to rely on. You know, families are smaller and you don't necessarily have all the aunts and uncles around and, and all those people. So it's the corporations, the, the businesses that are taking on these young people that are sort of coming into the fold as those, you know, extended family, if you will, and taking on those kinds of responsibilities. Yeah, we, we also, we had a bunch of examples of companies in the book that are able to tap into that oh so important purpose. Yeah. And so one of them is, is Patagonia. And one of the things they do, they allow their employees to do these like mini sabbaticals where they get, it's a paid two month sabbatical where they can go and work with a nonprofit that, you know, aligns with Patagonia's kind of value of protecting the earth. And um, so I think that's a really neat thing where even if it's not part of your purpose, you can align and give them opportunities to be involved in the community. Yeah. And I can't even imagine uh, back in the day when I was coming into the workforce, when, you know, other baby boomers were coming into the workforce, uh, you couldn't imagine, even for the first year of work, considering asking for a day off, much less a sabbatical or a holiday or, you know, a week of vacation. And, and that has changed, even, Brian, with, with your generation. Um, when we had a retail store back in the eight, late 80s, uh, we had, who turned out to be two of the best employees you could ever want. But when they came to us, uh, they both came in and the first thing on the table was, well, we're going on holidays next week or two weeks from now. So we're not going to be able to, you know, we can start this week, but then we have to be off for two weeks. And that's a, it was already a rude awakening when there were only a couple of generations. Now there are so many other concerns, their, their social awareness, their purpose, their, their um, volunteering activity, their outside interests are all part and parcel of the ball that they bring. And I guess you, you have the leader be prepared to take the whole ball. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, right. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. So like you said, for the older generations, it was about the work. It was about being su su successful at work. For Generation X, 
it was about work-life balance, starting yeah. to introduce that concept of work-life balance. I want to have a life outside of work. Uh, and, and I'm willing to talk about it. I mean, the baby boomers wanted a life outside of work too, but they just weren't talking about yeah. it. Uh, Gen X was willing to bring it up. Yeah. And then for the millennials and Generation Z, it's more about work-life integration. Yeah. And so, uh, so for X, it's like, hey, got to be done at five o'clock because my kid's got a basketball game. I want to make sure I'm a good dad and go go see that. For you know, particularly Generation Z, everything is intermixed. So, hey, I I'm going to work from the from I'm work from the cafe yeah. this morning. Uh, I'm going to go uh, meet somebody for lunch or I'm going to do this run this errand in the early afternoon. But by the same token, let's not sell them short. By the same token, they're up at 2 a.m. Yeah. on their laptop working hard. And right. that is it. That's a challenge for, you know, the, the older generations basically had the mindset. If I don't see you working, you're not working. Right. And and the younger generations are like, hey, look, it'll get done. It just may not get done between the hours of eight and five. And right. Absolutely. And I think that's that's a really good point because it, it, in all honesty, doesn't matter if the work you do can be done at any hour of the day or night, then why should you be, you know, curtailed into a, a set eight to five mm -hmm. as long as you're doing the work? And I think with that flexibility for those generations, you are going to get better, more detailed work because you are feeding their soul for, for lack of a, a better term. Yeah. And if you think about it, I, this has been a consistent thread throughout all the books, you know, flexi flexibility used to be like this nice added bonus. Now it is a prerequisite yeah. for these younger generations. And look, they've grown up their whole life with technology. You know, work is no longer somewhere somewhere you go. Work is now what you do. Yeah. And you're not bound to being tethered to a desk to yeah. do it. Um, but, you know, you, as Brian mentioned, you have a whole, the matures and the boomers that have a very fixed mindset of, you, you know, it's important to get there early and be at your desk and be seen. Um, what's interesting, Brian and I are both exes. You know, we're kind of the quote unquote sandwich mm -hmm. generation. Yeah. And we're we're occupying probably the most difficult role because yeah. we're lead, you know, we're the vast majority of we're the majority of leaders right now of the five generations. And we've got two that we have to manage up and two that we have to manage down. And I think for Xers, it's critical that you not offend either, right? Yeah. That you treat yeah. people as individuals and get the most out of the collective. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's right. And Stan, I'll take that sandwich analogy one step further. Um, just because of the age of Generation X, we're a group of people who are starting to take care of our parents and a and group of people who continue to take care of our kids. And so this worker that you've got, you know, whether it be a leader or not in your organization is pulled in these two different directions, trying to do the right thing for their families, yeah. trying to do the right thing for their organization. Um, and it doesn't help that Generation X population wise is actually the smallest. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right.
Right. And do me a favor, Brian, because I always think it's interesting. Tell kind of your why story of being a leader yourself, that one where you were in the meeting and your millennial walks in with the, I think with the flip flops on yeah. and a few minutes late. And, and tell, I mean, I think that's such a telling story of why the light bulb kind of went off for you. That's right. And, and it's actually how we start the book. Um, I'm sitting in the boardroom. The president and CEO is at the head of the table. The seat next to me that's supposed to be occupied by my millennial employee is empty. Uh, the meeting's about to start, and I can hear flip flop, flip flop, flip flop, flip flop, flip flop, flip flop coming down the hallway. And I can tell by the frequency of the flips and the flops that she's running uh, to make sure that she gets to the meeting on time. Uh, she gets in, she sits down, um, and 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 she's called on, you know, pretty quickly to to deliver her report that she's worked on really hard. Um, she refers to the president and CEO by his first name. Yeah. Uh, she's 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 kind of casual with him, casual with the other leaders that are around the the boardroom, and you can start to see the folks lean back. You can see the arms cross. And you can see, like, I don't care what she's saying content-wise, I don't like the style. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, the, the, she did a nice job. The meeting finishes. And then the parade starts to my office. It's the senior people. What the heck was she thinking? Showing up late, calling everybody by the first name, acting like uh, she was, you know, a peer to us. I've worked very hard to get to where I am. How does she, why does she think she's a peer? Um, and then after that, a flow of people ended. My employee came in. Yeah, tell her that side of it. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I worked really hard on this. I had some really smart things to say, and those people didn't react to it. They didn't give me positive feedback. They didn't, you know, talk about next steps. They just kind of ignored me because I was young. Yeah. And I was, I was like, uh, you know, we got to start figuring this out yeah. because the situation is going to repeat itself. Well, the sad thing, because I'm I'm listening to it, I saw it in the book, and listening to it, it's like the sad thing is, okay, the minute she was late, they already have closed off part of their minds. Mm -hmm. She called them by their first name. They didn't hear anything she said. They were too busy in their head being offended and thinking about all the things they had done to get where they are that they never even got to take in that presentation. Right. So I think I think this generational <laughs> matrix is certainly not before its time because when when everybody gets so caught up in their own stories and and you know can can be offended by little things like that because we're not we haven't been told you know what? We need to be a little more open to understanding that everybody has a different way. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate kind of where we are in this uh, in this journey, because now now we'll we'll I want to throw in sort of a an off question. But you're starting to see, you know, the matures and the baby boomers are all on their way to pasture. Or, you know, those that, that have to continue to work are having to morph into whatever. But um, 
as we're coming down to that point, and you are seeing more and more seniors are working later and later, is there a graceful way to ask them to kind of step down from the leadership roles and, and maybe take on, say, a mentorship role in an organization? Yeah. Yeah, that, Brian, touch on that, because that's one of the things that we we talked about in the book of how do you tap into all of that experience? Mm -hmm. And there are some great companies. I think PwC was one of them, Brian, right? That have, that have brought a lot of these matures back and boomers back to play more of that mentor type role. And talk about it, Brian, you kind of get the best of both worlds when you do that. That's right. And it, it is, it's uh, you're right. Price Waterhouse Coopers. Um, they took advantage of baby boomers who had a ton of experience, maybe didn't want to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week anymore, but they wanted to tap into that expertise and um, and still use it. And of course, by the way, you can charge more if you have a super experienced <laughs> consultant versus a junior person. Um, so that helps too. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's really about, I, I think the one word is respect. Um, it's respect yeah. of the baby boomer. Um, you know, oftentimes baby boomers are defined by their work. And, um, and so when you ask somebody who has um, embraced all the various steps that it, they took to get to where they are in, in life, which is defined by their work, um, and then you say, hey, I got all these great people kind of coming up behind you. I need you to step aside. I don't necessarily want you to leave the organization, but can you step aside? I think it's it's respect. And that can mean a variety of things. It, it might mean letting them keep their title. You know, if they're a vice yeah. president um, and now they don't lead a couple of teams, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter if that's still on the business card. Let them be a vice president and, and, and continue to have that on their email signature if they want. Um, Second, it's about, uh, just like Stan said, at, at PwC or other places, it's about tapping that skill and that corporate knowledge of, you know, hey, why don't we do it this way? Uh, we tried that two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. It didn't work. Here's why. Maybe we want to try it again. But, you know, here's a perspective. And then lastly, it, it is about the mentoring. So baby boobers, uh, enjoy sharing their knowledge and their experience. And so they're perfect candidates for mentoring. And, um, and what is a really good fit is that millennials like to be mentored. Yeah. So uh, millennials, you know, oftentimes raised as their parents' friends, um, raised in this kind of collaborative environment at home and at school. And so they like to have somebody, you know, giving them uh, uh, some shepherding in their career and so this this baby boomer and millennial connection can work out really well. And it, it, it helps that that boomer feel great about um, still being important. But organizationally, they don't necessarily have to be sitting at the top of the pyramid. And they get to retain that respect, which is yeah. incredibly important. Absolutely. So. We've we've kind of covered all of, of the generations. What about followership? Tell me what that means in terms of the book. I think it's all of this is about meeting halfway. And so 
as leaders, you know, we've talked this whole time about, hey, you got to understand where your followers coming from. But by the same token, the follower needs to understand where that leader is coming from. And, and I think having that, that generational knowledge on both sides of the equation makes it so that the teams work together better um, versus just like, I'm going to take care of the single employee. Yeah. yeah I, Elaine, this is a thread that I'm actually exploring right now in the, the next book, which is called The Platinum Goldfish. And it's this idea of, you know, we're raised predominantly with what we call a golden rule mentality. Yeah. Right. So if I'm leading Brian, you know, the golden rule teaches me to treat Brian the way that I would expect to be treated. Mm -hmm. And that that is so problematic from a generational point of view. Um, the, the platinum rule is an ex kind of an extension or next evolution, which is, you know, I'm going to treat Brian the way that Brian wants to be treated. You know, from we've got generational things, but also we have personality types and there's four dominant personality types. Um, and so think about it. If I treat you the way I want to be treated, I have a 25% success rate. Yeah. And, and this next book is really from more of a sales point of view, but it's also from a um, kind of a workplace um, integration and, and management perspective, um, organizational and interpersonal perspective, is if I can understand as a follower of a leader, what how they like to be treated and what's important to them, I'm, I'm going to be able to take exactly what I do, but give it to them in a way that they're going to respond the best to, yeah. you know, not necessarily have to change what I do, but just serve it and communicate it in a way that's going to resonate the best. And I think it requires people to kind of upgrade a little bit and see things more empathetically. And I think empathy is becoming much, much more of a bigger thing um, in the workplace of seeing it from their perspective and again, serving it up in a way that they're going to respond the best to. Well, I think that that's such a, a good point. And uh, Brian, well, St Stan knows, Brian, you maybe not. I tend to often simplify things and look at them just from sort of my perspective. You started out, Stan, with Lanyap. Go that that little bit farther, that little bit extra, put that little something else. We're here now, and it is empathy and kindness. And I think that really has to cross into the work world, you know, corporate as well. The fact is, okay, in uh, social media, when I'm teaching social media, I'm forever telling people, you know what? It's not about you. Yes, you are part of it, but it's not about you. You need to consider the other. And this is taking that even one step further and saying it's about how you consider the other and how you present you to their best value rather than just, you know, being me, 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 or, or even them, them, them. By right. having that or working on that empathy, you're able to, I think, you know, everyone will be able to serve each other better 
and come out of it feeling better about themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, you know, one of the, one of the great things someone once told me, they said, you know, the customer isn't always right. Yeah. But they always have the right to be heard. And the the same thing from the employee perspective, you know, they, they're not always going to have, be absolutely right, but you have to take the time to be able to understand and hear their perspective and, and to show the respect to, to validate it. Yeah. And that's, that's it in a nutshell. We all want to be seen and heard whether or not we're right really does not enter into that equation because that isn't always what people are looking for. They're, they're just looking to be heard, looking to be seen. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing, um, I don't know where the time goes. Oh. My God, I, I kept you guys longer than perhaps I I had a right to, but I'm always very interested. Uh, it's been a pleasure meeting you, Brian. I want to tell everyone that it is a phenomenal gift you're going to get today because Brian and Stan have uh, decided to give you a copy of this generational matrix, generational leadership matrix. And Brian, if you want to go ahead and mention where they should go uh, to get this, and I will be sure that we will put it up on the website so that people have the correct email that they will be writing to. Great. Yep. You can just email me directly at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at Doyle Leadership. So Doyle is D-O-Y-L-E, leadership.com. Send me a quick email. I'd love to hear uh, how you're thinking about using it uh, and be happy to send you a copy. We've had some really positive feedback on it so far. So uh, hopefully it'll work well for you too. Well, I honestly believe there's something here from everyone. I have to say thank you uh, yet again to Stan. I, I've loved the entire Goldfish series. I'm thrilled to hear there's another one coming. Brian, lovely to make your acquaintance. I absolutely love what you've done here. And it's already helped in a couple of areas where I would have been very dismissive of something a millennial was trying to give to me. And it actually really helped me. And that's, I think I told you that, Stan, when I, yeah. the first time we talked about this, it was like, wow, this is such an eye opener. Thank you ever so much. I'm Elaine Lindsay, and this is BBP TV. It's been amazing yet again. I will see you next time when we'll have another amazing guest sharing their digital journeys. Until then, bye to Stan, bye to Brian, and uh, please make your day amazing.